Welcome back, friends. Lost Garf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. Here we talk about everything Kirby, from the games to the people who make Kirby to the show Kirby right back at you. Best place to follow us is at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. There we'll do occasional tweets about the podcast and about updates with the episodes and everything. There's going to be a lot of Kirby fan art on there. I'm just going to follow a lot of Kirby art accounts and just retweet their art because I love Kirby fan art so much. It's just enjoyable, so that's what's going to happen there. Eventually, I have a bot on there doing automatic tweets. Right now, I just don't have the time to figure that out. But when I do, that's what's going to happen. Right now, you can find us on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play Music. The big difference between YouTube and the others is you can listen to it, of course, but there will also be visuals on there. And this episode, there's going to be a lot of visuals. So it's probably worth seeing the YouTube version as well if you catch us somewhere else. Now, today we're going to talk about Kirby's Adventure, the second Kirby game of all time. This is the only game on the NES. But before we get there, let's talk about some news in general. The big one, I think, is Ingest. So someone made a modded version of the Celeste prototype game. If you don't know what Celeste is, it's this really, really good platformer. And it's on, like, all the consoles and PC. But the prototype for it, you can play on the browser. And someone made a Kirby version called Ingest, where you play Kirby climbing a mountain instead of a little girl climbing a mountain. And it's really cute. It's pretty fun. I like the amount of work they put into it. And it's, it's pretty short, and you can play it in the browser. We'll have a link in the description and the podcast notes so you can go ahead and play it yourself. I beat in about five minutes. I collected everything. Didn't die. It was pretty fun. I liked it a lot. It's very enjoyable. And maybe you'll have fun playing it, too. Other news is release date anniversaries. And we'll probably talk about this again next episode as well, since we'll be close to some of these. But in April itself, Kirby Star Stacker came out. Uh, April 9th, Kirby's Tilt and Tumble came out. On the 12th, Team Kirby Clash Deluxe came out, which I didn't know was free, so I gotta download that. I really enjoyed that. Uh, April 25th, Kirby's Avalanche in 1995. May 1st, Kirby's Dreamland 2. And also Kirby's Adventure, the one we're gonna talk about today on 1993. These are all US release dates, by the way. I need to look at the Japanese release dates and make a list so I know when they were, so I can talk about their anniversaries there as well. The 2nd of May, 2014, was Kirby's Triple Deluxe, which I really like that game. I can't wait to talk about that in like a year or three. And then on May 4th, 996 was Kirby's Block Ball. And since we're talking about Kirby's Adventure, the Japanese release date was the 23rd of March, so we're past that anniversary date. But for, uh, also one more to mention, in the US, Kirby's Dreamland came out on the 27th. So there's that to keep in mind. The one that started it all, the anniversary, is a couple days after this podcast. So today we're going to talk about Kirby's Adventure. This is the second ever Kirby game made, and the only one released on the NES. The Japanese title was Kirby of the Stars, The Story of the Fountain of Dreams. I know it's a really long title, but I wish they kept the Fountain of Dreams part at least, because that's what it's about in this game. Now, the plan for me is to 100% every game before we cover them. So I 100%ed Kirby's uh, Dreamland, and I 100%ed Kirby Adventure, and it's going to be a real long time <laughs> when we get to later games like Kirby Star Allies. There is so much in there to 100%. So it's going to be interesting how much time between some of the game episodes are going to be. But there's a good amount to this game, and I've got all the information I can. Every fact I can find is going to be in this podcast. So we're going to talk about this in sections. We're going to talk about the history of HAL up to this point from the last game. So between Dreamland and Adventure, which is only one year of time, that's what we'll talk about. We'll also talk about the making of Kirby's Adventure, the reception of Kirby Adventure, and then we're going to go in deep on Kirby's Adventure. The lore is light here. Really, the only lore is just Meta Knight shows up, and you got King Duty and the Star Rod and things like that. But then we're going to eventually get into Dark Matter, where you know all the lore comes from. So there's going to be a ton going on with Dark Matter, but we're not there just yet. 
So, like I said, this is the first appearance of Meta Knight, so there's a lot of there to talk about. The majority of the episode will be about the game itself, about the levels, the enemies, the powers. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about the game itself. And also, by the way, if you didn't know, Kirby's Adventure is on Switch Online, if you get the Nintendo Online thing. That is pretty awesome. You can play it yourself. And all my footage is from playing it on there. Oh, by the way, yeah, all the gameplay footage is on the side channel. If you look up Scarf Plays uh, on YouTube and just put like Kirby or something like that, you'll find all this footage and you can just see me play it. And there you go. You see all the, all the gameplay. Now, when it comes to sources, my sources are a bunch of different articles I read, uh, interviews I could find that were translated, uh, just playing the game itself, looking up just anything, just any Easter eggs. Just any place where people talk about Easter eggs for all the games, I go there as well. Try to make sure I get all the information so you know everything about this game in this podcast. Everything. That is the plan about these podcast episodes for the, for the games. Just tell you it all. But at the end of the day, um, I don't speak Japanese, so I have to rely on translations. And when it comes to maybe like the manga in the future, I'll probably try to translate them myself because they're not all translated and they're really fun to read. And I really want to talk about those, but that's a couple years, so that gives me plenty of time to figure that out. One nice thing is, Satoru Iwata really liked taking interviews. So there's a ton of interviews with him to get information on HAL and Nintendo in the future, because he eventually becomes the president of Nintendo. That's the, see, Iwata just had a great history. He became, he was just a student who joined HAL, just became the president of HAL eventually, because he impressed Nintendo, and then becomes the president of Nintendo, which is pretty awesome. And he spearheaded the Switch before he died. He has a really good history we're talking about someday. Now, history-wise, if you want the full history of how up until this point, like the founding and everything, and how Iwata was part of that, and then eventually Sakurai was part of that, you should go to the Kirby's Dreamland episode from a while back, because I go through all that history. But what we need to know right now are these important notes. That is, Hal went into debt and was rescued by Nintendo uh, around like 1991-1992. is when they got rescued. So, Nintendo stopped them from getting bankrupt, and they made HAL second-party developers for Nintendo. But because of that, HAL owes Nintendo 1.5 billion yen. But the legend himself, Satoru Iwata, was made president by HAL, of HAL by the president of Nintendo because he believed in him. Yep, 1991. There, I'm looking at my notes. So, this was a tough task, and HAL was in a bad spot. But thanks to Iwata, HAL would pull through and pay back the 1.5 billion yen in six years. And a big contributor to that would come in the form of the legendary Masahiro Sakurai's Kirby's Dream Land, or Kirby of the Stars. Masahiro joined HAL in 1989, and he was making Kirby then when it was called Tinko Popo and all that, and then Kirby's Dream Land comes out in 1992. Huge success, eventually selling mil- 5 million copies, but at its time it just, it sold about one something million, I can't remember off the top of my head. It sold just so massively well. And thanks to the success of Kirby's Dreamland, Hal was in a good spot, and he wanted to go further with Kirby. So Sakurai was tasked with making a sequel just a few months after Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby's Dreamland came out in 1992, and Kirby's Adventure comes out in 1993. Just about 11 months later, because Kirby's Dreamland came out in April of 1992, and Kirby's Adventure came out in March of 1993. Sakurai was a director and designer, with Takashi Saito as assisting designer, Hiroki Suga was the lead uh, programmer, while Satoru Iwata, Shigeru Miyamoto, and Takao Shimizu were producers. Satoru Iwata, though the president of HAL, also helped the programming because he's kind of the programming Superman of his time. And then, of course, there is the legendary composer Jun Ishikawa, who was a composer of this and pretty much all the Kirby games. 
So Kirby's Adventure brought in a lot of new things, and the first thing to talk about, of course, has got to be Kirby's copy ability, which was created because of feedback. People said the game was too short and too easy, so they added the abilities to give the game more complexity and gave the more skilled players powers to play with and have fun. This would give the game more replayability, because with all these different powers, then you have different ways to clear the same levels, so then you'll just do it over and over and over again. Let's say you want to just beat the whole game with Kirby with just normal ability, you can do that. You want to beat the game with like Beam, or with Hammer, and this and that, then you could do that. And that just gave him more replayability. Now, they originally had 40 abilities, but they had to cut some. And here's some of the abilities they had to cut. Kirby had the ability to create blocks. They got rid of that. The ability to shrink. He could ride a rocket. They had an early version of the Anno ability, which would come out in later games. Kirby could dig holes. He could multiply. He could go invisible. He could turn into a puddle of water. <laughs> of course, those are some weird ones. Uh, also, the multi-spin ability was originally meant for Dreamland, but they just couldn't put it in, they didn't have enough time. So, uh, it's in this one as well. So, that gives Kirby more strength in normal form as well. And just, yeah, just hearing that, some of these powers are pretty random, like he just digs holes, or he becomes a puddle of water. Okay, that's, that's a weird one. Multiply, though, we're gonna see that eventually in Mass Attack, so that's cool. Go invisible would be a pain in the butt, because, well, you can't see Kirby, that would be bad. But there's just... Some fun ideas there that didn't work out, but eventually you would see them, because, like, ri riding a rocket sounds like Jet Kirby to me. Animal eventually shows up, uh, creating blocks, yeah, I don't know how great that would be. It would make it interesting for platforming, but Kirby has the ability to fly. Then they also added mini-games, like Egg Catcher, Quick Draw, and Crane Fever, to give players simpler games to play in case the main game was too difficult. I'll tell you right now, the main game is not that difficult, but this is, it's time. This is back when, you know, games were first out for a couple of years, and not everyone's really great at games just yet. So, he gave other ways for people to have fun, but also packed in more into the game. They also gave the Kirby the ability to dash and slide to help with game pace. Something important to note is that they made Kirby on the NES. This is the, this is eight years into the NES's life. Super Nintendo's out by this time but they squeeze every bit of power out of that console, and it shows. Because this game has a ton of animations, Kirby's got 25 powers, there's 41 levels across, 7 worlds, there's a large variety of enemies, there are so many enemies in this game! The backgrounds are pretty, there's a lot of music to this game. So this is the thing you learn from this is, from the very beginning, even with Dreamland itself, HAL has always stuffed Kirby games to the brim. Kirby likes to eat a lot. He likes to fill up, and they do the same thing with these games. They fill up these games. They put everything they could into this game, because guess what? Kirby's Adventure is the largest game ever made for the NES. It was six megabytes. That's how small games were in size, but that's, it's so much going on here. It is the biggest game officially for the Nintendo. You want to know what the second biggest was? Also from Hell, Metal Slater Glory, the one that helped bankrupt Hell in the first place. Thankfully, Kirby's Adventure did a lot better. But you get it. Like, if you've played the more recent games like Kirby Star Allies, how much is in Kirby Star Allies? There was a ton of content in Kirby Star Allies, right? Like, just so much. And then they DLC'd even more for free. They have always been this way. That is what I love about Kirby games. That's what I love about HAL is they give you so much. And it's free. Holy crap. That's amazing. So Kirby's Adventure comes out. And it is very well-reviewed. Reviewers were happy with the size of the game, the new abilities. They love the copyability so much. They like the tight controls, the quality of the graphics, the cuteness, the uniqueness. It was generally a good hit. It was in the 80s and 90s with all the reviewers. That's great right there. 
and it even got a perfect score with some reviewers, which is awesome. It would later be hailed as one of the best NES games of all time. Ultimately, over time, it would sell 1.75 million copies. In case you forget, Kirby's Dream Land, I said earlier actually, made 5.13 million sales. Kirby's Dream Land is the biggest seller for Kirby of all time. A lot of the other games will sell between 1 and 3 million, but Dreamland, the first one of them all, sold 5.13 million. Holy crap. The thing to keep in mind, though, is this is late in the NAS's lifetime. Kirby's Adventure came out in the eighth year of the console's lifespan. Super Nintendo's already out. It was one of the last games, actually. 37 more games would come out after Kirby's Adventure, out of 715 games total. So yeah, it was near the end of the NAS's lifetime. If it came out earlier, who knows where it would have gone as far as sales go. When it comes to NES rankings, different lists put it up pretty high, somewhere in the 20s. The highest I could find was like 11th place. IGN themselves say it's one of the greatest games of all time. Nintendo Magazine themselves, though, ranking every game, gave Kirby's Adventure 69th place. And when it comes to the NES games, still a nice rank. Not high, but it's still nice. Now, Kirby's Adventure would eventually be remade into Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland as an enhanced remake for the Game Boy Advance in 2002. And we'll talk about the game when the time comes. Kirby's Adventure would also be re-released on the Wii in 2007, 3DS Shop in 2012, on the Wii U in 2013. It was also part of the 20th Anniversary Collection. It can now be played in the Nintendo Switch Online sub-service. So that's where I played it from. I really want to mention real quick the commercials. So there were two commercials. You could see there's the US version and the Japanese version. And we really need to talk about Kirby advertising in an episode someday. Like, there's got to be a podcast dedicated to just that. because. The American version makes Kirby this tough little pink guy, while the Japanese version is a super cute little pink guy who can destroy everything. <laughs> and what's cool is the Japanese version of the commercial is all yarn-based, so it's Kirby with yarn and everything, and it's really cute, and you wonder if it's an it's inspiration for Epic Yarn Kirby at all. I don't think it is, but it still makes you think about that. Oh, one other thing to mention is Shimizu. They were working on all this stuff, all these animations and everything, and Shimizu's like, late in development, he's like, Let's give Kirby the ability to plant a flag. And they're like, really? We, you, okay, and they, they put that in too. Like, whatever ideas they had, random ideas, they put them in here, and then they just, they shaved them down, made them good, and it is a really good package. Kirby's Adventure is a very good pack. So now we're going to talk about Kirby's Adventure, and first let's talk about the box art. So there's an interesting difference between the two box arts here, and that is another thing worth talking about when it comes to US and Japan, is how some are very different and some are just slightly different because there's the angry Kirby in the US and the happy, joyful Kirby in the, in the Japan. But let's focus on where we're at and that is Kirby's adventure. Now, in the US version of it, Kirby's like, he's flying and he's sucking up like the stage. It's kind of weird looking and he's sucking the stars and everything, kind of odd. While the Japanese version, it's basically the title screen of the game itself. And he's looking really cute and less defined. Real quick, since I didn't mention it last podcast with Dreamland, Kirby's Dreamland, of course, is Kirby. He's flying. You've got Gordo there. You've got Birdo. you got Wispy Woods there. Interesting box art there. While the Japanese version is it's just Kirby and then a lot of just colors, which is supposed to... It's very more abstract. It really is. And I got to remember to talk about box arts in the future. So that is the box art right there. And here's what the box said itself on the back. And, the, and I'm saying this word for word. What would Dreamland be without dreams? A nightmare. The dream spring, source of all dreams, has dried up, taking with it all the blissful dreams of Dreamland. It's up to Kirby, the bombastic blimp, to return happy naps to the inhabitants of Dreamland. 
Kirby's appetite for adventure is big as ever as he eats his way through a feast of all new enemies. In this adventure, he can also steal the abilities of the bad guys he scarfs down. With his new power, Kirby can perform 20 new tricks, it's actually 25 what? That will help him make his way through the nightmare-infested dreamland. Kirby's adventure features brand new worlds to explore with the same fun, action-packed feel that made Kirby's Dreamland for Game Boy a hit. Interesting they put 20, he's got 25 plus, he technically has 27 abilities. Now, the story of this game, now back in the day, we were talking like Nintendo times, you'd get the box, it would come with a manual, some ads for other things Nintendo, an ad for Nintendo Power most likely, that's usually what happens. But you had a manual, and the manual usually told you a more extensive version of the story. Sometimes the game itself told you the story, sometimes it didn't at all, but the manual usually gave you all the information you needed. And here's a cool thing. You can find the manual for Kirby's Adventure at Nintendo themselves, and that's where we got it ourselves. And I'm going to be reading off this PDF a few times because there are things in here that are worth mentioning. And the first thing I'm going to mention, of course, is the full story of what's going on in Kirby's Adventure. So here's the full story, and it is a, a bit of a read here, but you'll know what this adventure is about. And so it is, A Crisis in Dreamland. Light years away, light years away, on a tiny star not visible from Earth, is the magical peaceful place known as Dreamland. The beings that inhabit this wondrous world live a blissful existence that centers on eating, sleeping, and playing. They get like, it's kind of like, maybe there's more than just Kirby, but he's a hero of, the, of these people. Example of their carefree customs include the traditional after-lunch feast nap, after they awaken from their nap. The Dreamlanders discuss their dreams and fervently hope that each other's fondest wishes come true. One day, a young Dreamlander named Kirby awoke from his after-lunch nap, feeling terrible. What happened? He wondered. To himself? I didn't have any dreams during my lunch nap. This lack of dreams left Kirby feeling very uneasy. After talking to some of his friends, he found that the problem was much more serious than he had thought, for they had not experienced any dreams either. Something must have happened to the Dream Spring, they exclaimed in unison. Yeah, Kirby can talk in this universe. The Dream Spring is a magical well that is a reservoir for all the dreams of the inhabitants of Dreamland. Dreams also flow out of the Dream Spring and envelop Dreamland, granting all sleeping beings enjoyable dreams. So you see, it's, it's not called the Fountain of Dreams, it's called the Dream Spring. I don't know why they changed that name, but they did. Legends told that the Dream Spring was created by a magical artifact known as the Star Rod. The sparkling star on the tip of this scepter was an actual fragment of a star that had landed in Dreamland in the b distant past. The Star Rod now provided energy to the Dream Spring and served as the very symbol of Dreamland. The lack of dreams made everyone in Dreamland feel restless and irritable. The joyful laughter that had once resounded throughout Dreamland could no longer be heard at all. Things were bleak. Kirby, the roly-poly hero of Dreamland, boldly announced his intention to investigate the Dream Spring and find the cause of all the trouble. Upon reaching the Dream Spring, who did he find but King Dedede bathing in its magical waters? In the past, see Kirby's Dreamland for a Game Boy, <laughs> King Dedede had caused mischief in Dreamland by stealing all the Dreamlanders' food and sparkling stars. Now in the middle of the Dream Spring, in place of the Star Rod, sat Dedede, covered with bubble bath. So you're up to your old tricks again, eh, Dedede? accused Kirby. What are you talking about, young Pudgeball? Dedede looked surprised. I thought I'd do everyone a favor by... No, 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 no. Kirby shook his head. I won't listen to your tricks. What have you done with the Star Rod? Oh, that old thing? Dedede said nonchalantly. I broke it into seven pieces and gave each piece to one of my friends. What was D King Dedede thinking? Kirby wondered. Before hearing any more of what Dedede had to say, Kirby set off on a long trek to gather the pieces of the Star Rod and returned him to the Dream Spring. Hopefully he could return the sparkle to the Dream Spring so that the people of Dreamland could again enjoy their happy midday naps. 
Yeah, that's the story there. Of course, there are some differences in that uh, the Japanese version is the, it's the Fountain of Dreams, while here it's a Dream Spring. Do not know why they changed some things. This is back in the day when the U.S. just did their own thing, kind of. You see the same thing kind of with Right Back At You, where they kind of did their own thing while trying to maintain the, what the base story is anyway. Whereas now, more in the present, they try to be more one-to-one. And then the manual's just really cute, explaining everything. Something I really liked about the first manual is Kirby tells you what you do, how it affects him personally. He's like, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do that, I'll do that. This one's just more straightforward, but you get a lot of cute images of Kirby doing his abilities, and it's pretty cool there. And just talking about things, also mentioning the minigames, just you get a lot of just cute art of Kirby in the manual, and I love it a lot. It's great. So here's what Kirby can do in this game. Kirby can walk, run, slide, jump, duck, fly, suck things up, spit them out, and copy abilities. As I said before, there were 40 powers, they had cut down to 25, but technically there's like 27 abilities, and I'm going to run down all abilities because I really want to. <laughs> so here's what the 25 abilities are. Kirby got backdrop in this one, which is what he gets from Bugsy, so that's the one where he gets he can grab an opponent and then he th- slams them or throws them in six different ways, which is all fun to do, honestly. There's Ball Kirby, where Kirby turns into a ball, which I feel has got to be inspiration for Kirby's Pinball, which is coming up, because that's the third game. And you bounce around, hit things, and it's not the most consistent or fun ability, unfortunately. Then there's Beam Kirby, which is Masahiro Sakurai's favorite ability, by the way. Eventually, it changes to another ability later. I can't remember what it is right now. But it's Beam. I think it might be Mirror later. But Beam's his first favorite ability. And that's the one he gets from Waddle Doo. Then there's Crash. So Crash, of course, is the Explosion Kirby ability, and this is the first instance of it. And in this one, uh, he gets it from Poppy Bro Sr. Bomb Kirby isn't in this game. I did not know that. I always thought Bomb Kirby was one of the first Kirby abilities. Nope, it's not in here. And there's Cutter ability, which he gets from Sir Kibble. That's where he throws the Cutter Boomerang. What's interesting is Fire and Fireball are two separate abilities, which I totally forgot. So, like, later on, Kirby can just breathe fire and be a fireball with one ability, but in this one, Fire Breath was one ability and Fireball was another. Then you've got Freeze and Ice, which are two separate ones as well. With Freeze, Kirby surrounds himself with, uh, with, no, no, with Freeze he has, uh, Cold Breath, and then with Ice, he surrounds himself with an Ice Field. Then there's Hammer Kirby, which is my favorite ability, uh, portrait in this game, because Kirby looks very mean and angry with the hammer in his hand. He's like, I'm gonna mess something up. I'm about to play you up. It's my favorite portrait. They're all pretty good, but that's my favorite one. There's High Jump Kirby, where Kirby beats his enemies with capes, and with them he can jump up really high. Needle Kirby, Might Kirby, which of course is very destructive. Light Kirby, there are dark stages in the game where Light Kirby is used to lighten them up, and you use that to find hidden things. Laser Kirby, where it's a really cool portrait because Kirby's just shooting a laser into the sky. My favorite ability of all time, Parasol Kirby, which he gets from Parasols or from Parasol Waddle Dee and Waddle Doo. Sleep Kirby counts as an ability, by the way. So the Naughties are in this, and he eats them, he goes to sleep, it's very cute, but very useless. Spark Kirby's in here, Star Rod's counted as an ability, and that's going to be at the end of the game. Stone Kirby, funny portrait there, because it's a, it's a rock on Kirby's head. Wheel Kirby, UFO Kirby, Tornado Kirby, which is funny because Kirby's dizzy there, Throw, and Sword. Now, if you've played a bunch of Kirby games, you know some of these abilities are just here from here to forever, while some of these you just don't see anymore. So it's very interesting just seeing what abilities there used to be and what the, they became later on. Now, the reason why I say there's technically 27 abilities is because the 26th ability, I would say, is the mix ability, where if you suck up two enemies at once with abilities, it gives you the ability to randomly get one of the 25 abilities. And the 27th, what is I call ability, is Hyper Kirby, because you get a portrait for it. And this is whenever Kirby gets candy. 
Hyper is basically Kirby with a Mario star. That's what it is. He becomes invincible, becomes just very deadly to everything he touches, and it's just fun, and I like the music for it. Something interesting is Spicy Curry and Mint Leaf is taken out of the game. Like, every item from Dreamland's here. You got the pump, you've got the Max and Tomato, you got the candy, but you don't have Spicy Curry or Mint Leaf. And I think it's because Spicy Curry is basically a fire breath thing anyway, and Mint Leaf is like an air version of that too, so they weren't really needed. So that's why they took them out. Then there's, of course, uh, the only way to lose your abilities are to hit minus or to get hit by an enemy. One hit does it. In later games, it, there's kind of like a stamina bar to it. And that is describing everything before you even start the game. I think that's everything. Now everything from this point on is the game itself. And the first thing that happens when you start it up is something I love, and that's something that Sakurai wanted, is he wanted something simple, something that any kid could draw. That's what you get at the start. The start of the game teaches you how to draw Kirby. When you start the game, here's the opener. That is... So first you draw a circle, then you dot the eyes, add a great big smile, and presto, it's Kirby. And it's really cute, and it's also funny how Kirby gets slapped with paint. And then you get the title screen where Kirby's still cute right there, and if you give it some time, it'll show how to play the game and show some power. Then it gives you a shorter version from the manual telling you what the story is. So here's the version in the game. Kirby's Adventure. One day, the peaceful life of Dreamland was shattered by a mysterious crisis. The inhabitants didn't dream. On the edge of Dreamland, dreams and hope once gushed forth from the Dream Spring, fueled by the Star Rod. Investigating the Dream Spring, Kirby found naughty King Dedede swimming in its magical waters. Dedede had broken the Star Rod and given the pieces to his friends, who are now hiding in Dreamland. To bring back the lost dreams, Kirby sought the Star Rod. And apparently that's all the game felt it needed to tell you. <laughs> so it's a cute open, you got a different theme going on here, and then you get into the game. But first, let's do some... Yeah, there's some more ground to put out here, because there's so much content to this game, just remembered. So, in Kirby's Adventure, Kirby travels across seven worlds to get the seven Star Rod pieces. Each world has a boss who holds a Star Rod piece, and a number of levels to complete before you get to them. The worlds each have a lobby area, so you can go wherever level you want as you beat them. There's also mini-games in these areas, museums, and arenas to enter in the lobby area. So the museums are a place to go ahead and get the powers, they're just there on display, you just grab them. And each world gives you a couple of these powers. They're not all in just one place. And arenas are places where you can fight a boss that, well, a mini-boss that you can defeat and you'll get full heal for with Max and Tomato, and you can get their ability. And sometimes it's the only source of that ability because the museums just don't always have all the abilities. So that's pretty cool right there. You got all these different distractions, do they'll give you extra points and extra lives if you do them very well. And there's different difficulties to them as well. And this is a typical platformer, so you're going from left of the stage to the right with just a variety of enemies, obstacles to get past. And sometimes minor bosses, sometimes Meta Knight's men will challenge Kirby as a group. Just different things to deal with. And this is the first game to introduce the hidden button. The buttons unlock mini-games and other things like the museums and such, but you don't have to get them to finish the game. You only need to get these buttons if you want to get 100%. And that's what I had to do, I had to find all these buttons. And some are pretty easy to find, just figuring out where hidden things are. Some are more puzzles or needing specific abilities, and they're not easy to do. And at the end of every level, besides boss levels, is the goal game, which is... Wow, they had it this far back, and that is, Kirby jumps on a platform, you have to hit A at the right time to launch Kirby back up, to go as far as you can. The higher you go, the more points you get, and if you get to the top, you get the full Kirby dance and a 1-up, so that's cool right there. So the mini-games were these three games. They were Crane Fever, Quick Draw, and Egg Catcher. All were meant to be playable with just the A button, just so you had an easier distraction if you're not very good at the game. Crane Fever was, you hit A to go from left to right to grab a mini Kirby or a large Kirby. Basically, just a plush game 
and the little ones are worth one life, and the big ones are worth two lives, and on extreme difficulty, this is really hard. Quickdraw is probably my favorite one, and this is a western duel. The game's gonna just tell you to wait, and it's gonna tell you to fire, and you have to hit the A button right when it says to fire, and then you shoot your opponent. Kirby's got a cowboy hat, he shoots opponents, they shoot at him, and his opponents are in five order, and they are Waddle Doo, Starman, Blade Knight, Bonkers, and finally King Dedede, and each of them will fire sooner than the last. Hitting King Dedede is pretty hard, even on the easier difficulty, and on the hardest difficulty, oh man, it is really hard. And it looks really painful if Kirby loses. He takes a fist to the face, it is not pretty. Later incarnations of this are the Quick Draw and the Samurai games. And I, I like them a lot, I really enjoy the Quick Draw game. The last one is A-Catcher, and it's kind of weird. The, the way it works is, you hold A to keep Kirby's mouth open and let go to have Kirby close his mouth. King Dedede throws eggs and bombs at Kirby. You want to catch the eggs so the, to protect them, and you want to not catch the bombs, because if you catch a bomb, it blows up and ends the game. But if you can survive all the way through to the end, Kirby does something really weird, and that is, Kirby opens his mouth, and the little chicks just jump out of his mouth, because the idea is Kirby protected them by sucking them in, and then he lets them go. So we see that Kirby has control over his stomach. In the anime, Kirby has a whole universe in there, and Kirby can actually pull things out of their own command. While in the games, it's not as easily explained, but we do know Kirby has some ability of control over what's in his stomach. We just don't really have a full idea of what he can do. Oh, another thing to mention is the pause screen. It's really cute. You see Kirby drawing on a wall. He's drawing little Kirbys on there. And it'll describe Kirby, or it'll describe his abilities. In later games, as you may know, when you hit the pause screen, it'll give you other information. It'll give you information about bosses and things like that. But we're not going to see that until Kirby Superstar Ultra. Once Kirby Superstar Ultra happens, the pause screen will start giving you lore, and you'll start learning about different enemies, things about Wispy Woods, about Krakow, and stuff like that. But we're not there yet. Now I think I've done all the groundwork for what's going to be in this game, so I can tell Kirby as a story, at least try to, and we'll see how this goes. So Kirby begins his adventure, and the first world he ends up in is Vegetable Valley. And I'm going to describe them as the man who describes them. So Vegetable Valley is... It's easy to learn the basics of Kirby's adventure in the relatively tame Vegetable Valley. The boss of this introductory level, Wispy Woods, should be familiar to you from Kirby's earlier adventures. So Kirby's adventure begins in the Vegetable Valley, and the first thing that happens is a sword duel with Blade Knight. They're going back and forth, but then Blade Knight slaps a sword out of Kirby's hand. This looks bad, but then Kirby remembers he can suck! So Kirby eats him and gets a new sword. And that's the start of his adventure. So in this world, Kirby's adventure goes along this lush green grasslands, some green mountains, and forests as he makes his way to the boss of the forest known as Wispy Woods. Along the way, he fights various enemies like Blade Knight, Bronto, uh, Broom Hatter, and more. He gains lots of new abilities, like he gains the beam ability from Model Dew, he gets a sword from Blade Knight, he gets Spark from Sparky, he gets Fire ability, he just gained a lot of things, and then he faces down some major op opponents, like Poppy Broche Sr. They're back to fight him, and he gets Crash ability from them, and he also fights Mr. Frosty, who gives him the Ice ability. Finally, after clearing four stages in this world, Kirby faces Wispy Woods, and the fight is pretty straightforward. It's the same as Dreamland. Wispy hasn't changed at all, and thanks to Kirby's new copy abilities, he can burn down Wispy Woods very easily, and he does. Kirby then takes the Star Rod piece and enjoys a little dance. Now as an aside, there's something really cool, and that is the Howl Room. I did not realize the Howl Room started this early. So in stage two of World One, you're going along like normal, and then you see a Warp Star. Walk backwards a little bit for the Warp Star to disappear, and then walk forwards again 
and the warp star is gone, you can go beyond the warp star, and you'll find a room that's not supposed to be there, and it's a room that spells hell in star blocks, and there's a broom hatter there as well. And if you want to leave that, you just go back all the way left and go right again to find the star, uh, the warp star, and you're good. But this is the first incarnation of the hell room. I don't know who figured this out. Good on you. No idea how, though. But yeah, the hell room was as early as the second game. And that trips me out so much because I, it's, there's just so much tradition in these Kirby games. And I just didn't realize it's, a lot of it started here. So Kirby makes his way from the Vegetal Valley into the Ice Cream Island. And here's the man description. Since the small islands in this level are surrounded by the sea, the key to success here is skillful swimming. You can also look forward to running into many new enemies with new special abilities for you to steal in this level. So Kirby makes his way to the Ice Cream Islands, and he decides to have himself a little nap. He sleeps on the beach with his sunglasses on, and he dreams about candy and food. But then, for some reason, he dreams about a Waddle Dew, and the Waddle Dew hits him with a hammer. And Kirby wakes up very concerned. After that rude awakening, Kirby goes on some island hopping adventures along tropical islands, seashores, there's exploding coconuts in the trees, there's deserts, underground caves, and he makes his way across five stages. He's fighting enemies like Axe Knight, Cappy, Parasol Waddle Dee, and Waddle Doos, and even a UFO. And through these battles, Kirby gains new abilities like Parasol from the Waddles, Wheel Kirby from Wheelie, he gets the UFO from the UFOs, which is such a weird ability. UFO gives Kirby a lot of variety here, and these powers only last for the stage. You don't get it forever, because the UFO Kirby's kind of just a bit too much. Because the longer you hold A, the stronger it gets. So you do, like, four things. You can you do a beam like Beam Kirby. You do a laser like Laser Kirby. Then you can shoot a star like it's Kirby, Kirby spitting. If you hold long enough, you shoot a bigger star as if you had multiple enemies in you. And Kirby can fly around freely. It's hard to hit. It's a really strong ability, so they limited it. But it's pretty cool that that, that ability exists. Kirby even faces bigger enemies like Grand Wheelie to get an even bigger wheel ability. And Mr. TikTok, who's pretty tough. What's interesting is what Kirby gets from Mr. TikTok, and that is the ability of Mike Kirby, which I guess comes from just the noises he makes as an alarm clock, and the world trembles in fear of Mike Kirby. Mike Kirby, of course, if you didn't know, is extremely powerful. Kirby loves to sing, but Kirby's really bad at it. He's kind of tone deaf. So when Kirby sings, everyone hears, and everyone perishes. <laughs> oh. So Kirby battles his way through the island areas, and he gets to paint roller. The first paint-based enemy Kirby will fight in his life. Later versions are going to be Adeline, Dracia, and Paintra. Paint Roller rolls on his roller skates to these four different canvases he has in the area, and Kirby must face Paint Roller and their creation. Paint Roller randomly paints baseballs, bombs, mics, parasols, clouds, cars, and even little Kirbys to attack Kirby. And all of them, except for the little Kirby itself, gives Kirby a power that is similar to what those abilities would give, and eventually Kirby's able to overcome this paint fiasco, and he grabs a star rod and moves on while dancing. Now, funny thing I gotta mention is, if you watch uh, the gameplay footage on Scarf Plays, I found a bug. So, what happened was, I grabbed Mike, got the ability with Kirby, and killed Paint Roller at the same time, and got the star rod at the same time. So all this stuff happens at the same time. And it tripped out the game, giving me unlimited Mike Kirby. Unlimited power! And with this, I was just killing everything over and over and over again. The only way to lose the ability was to get hit or to hit minus. That was the only way to pop it out. It was a really fun bug, but eventually I got hit. <laughs> Other thing to note is, Paint Roller will appear in Kirby right back at you, so we'll see him again in the podcast. 
Having now made it from the islands, Kirby ends up at the Butter Building. And here's the description. It's a long and adventurous climb to the top of Butter Building Tower. Your reward is a challenging battle against two of DDD's toughest buddies on the top floor. So Butter Building looks like butter. It's big and yellow and a little brown. And it's a, a Butter Building. It's, it's a, you would make a lot of croissants with this thing, that's for sure. So Kirby is walking towards the Butter Building, minding his own business, when, oh no! A Poppy Bro Senior knocks Kirby off the building, and Kirby grabs a ledge, and he struggles to climb back up. And eventually he does get back on his feet on the, on the ledge, but a bomb has been planted on Kirby's head, and Kirby looks up and, boom! There's no more Kirby. Where's Kirby? What happened to Kirby? But somehow Kirby survives, thankfully, and he moves on to climb the Butter Building. It is a big tower of six sections, and along the way, Kirby is starting to notice this mysterious figure appear on occasion. Sometimes he sends his men to attack Kirby, like Axe Knight, and sometimes he gives Kirby candy. Kirby's very confused, but Kirby presses on, and Kirby gains new abilities here, like Light, Backdrop, and Hammer. He gains Backdrop from defeating the dreaded Bugsy, who gives Kirby really mean hugs, and Hammer from Bonkers, who gives Kirby really mean coconuts. Once Kirby climbs to the top, he's up in the skies and he faces Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon. And they are also very mean. But they're also fair. They fight Kirby one at a time. But they also cheat because the other will attack Kirby from the sidelines at times as well. Like Mr. Moon will throw boomerangs at Kirby and will also launch himself at Kirby while Mr. Sun will start just slamming stars down from above to hurt Kirby. And on the other side, when Mr. Sun takes his turn, he shoots fireballs and flies at Kirby at fire speeds while Mr. Moon rains down stars from the sky. But eventually Kirby, using his abilities, or throwing the stars right back at them, is able to crack them to pieces, and he takes a star rod piece and dances. I really like this world. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, Kirby's climbing a tower, and what's the coolest thing is it does parallax scrolling. Parallax scrolling is just a different kind of thing they did with the NES, and I think they also using Super Nintendo as well. And there's points where Kirby's running along the tower, and it wraps around the tower. And so he's not just going straight from left to right, but also the stage is kind of moving with him and rotating to show that he's going along a tower. And it just looks really cool. I like that a lot. I think we've also seen like Castlevania and some other games, but this showcases it very well. And if you've seen Kirby right back at you, then you know Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon are actually weapons in that, in that anime, and they're in episode 9. Also, the thing to note is from here on out, it's six stages before the boss with all the, the other levels. So I'll stop mentioning that. <laughs> From the top of the Butter Building, you can reach the huge grape garden in the clouds. High-flying action is the order of the day, as the enemies here are accustomed to aerial attacks from their lives in the pleasant, fluffy clouds. So to help Kirby along the clouds, Kirby grabs some balloons. He gets three balloons, two in one hand, one in the other. And Kirby's just happily jumping along the clouds. Until, unfortunately, he loses his grasp on one of the balloons. So he realizes this, and he jumps to grab it. But he let go of the other two balloons to get it. And then he realizes he let go of those two balloons, and in a shock, he loses the balloon he grabbed. And he slips and falls into the cloud he was on. His face plants into it. Poor Kirby. Just poor Kirby there. But up in the clouds, Kirby makes his way across cloudy skies, castles, and even blimps. But he's got to fight enemies that are accustomed to the skies, like Kaboo, Scarfy, Shotzo. And he's just got to deal with all that. But he's able to get abilities like Cutter from Sir Kibble, and Laser from Laser Balls, and Needle from Needless. Some things don't have the most creative name, but he also faces new mean foes named Rolling Turtle, who is a little too handsy. A little way too handsy, honestly. But he gains the throw ability when he defeats the Rolling Turtle. 
Then after all this, Kirby faces the classic boss, Cracko. Now this one is interesting. It all starts with a chase scene. Kirby, using the high jump ability, must jump higher and higher into the clouds on their platforms as Cracko, in its weaker state, chases him around and tries to attack Kirby and knock him down from the clouds. And at the top of the clouds, Cracko fully forms, and they fight. Now the big difference between here and in Dreamland is, Cracko uses the same abilities, but also now goes across the sky and shoots lightning at Kirby, which Kirby definitely dodges, and he drops high jump enemies instead of waddle doos at Kirby. Kirby takes advantage of the situation, eats up these high jump enemies, and jumps straight into Cracko and cracks Cracko in half. Cracko's defeat here is one of many defeats they will suffer. And it is the same Cracko, by the way. In later game notes, we're going to learn that Cracko is tired of losing to Kirby, and it just keeps happening. By the way, in the anime, Cracko shows up in episode 4 of Kirby Right Back At Ya, and it's a really good episode. He gives Kirby a hard time, and it's a very fun fight. Eventually, Kirby takes him out there, too. So with the dissipation of Cracko once again, Kirby grabs the star rod and does a dance. And now Kirby must ascend the clouds by heading into the mountain. So we're going to Yogurt Yard, and let me read this one. Just when you thought you'd reached the top of the world, you'll find yourself hurled down into the heart of a maze of mountain-piercing caverns. So Kirby finds himself in the yogurt yard, and he's climbing the mountains, and he sees at the top of a mountain a Maxim tomato. Kirby struggles to climb. The air's just too thin to fly, apparently. He's just climbing and climbing. And he gets to the top, and he grabs the Maxim tomato. He triumphantly holds the tomato in the air, and it slips out of his hand. <laughs> Kirby reaches for it. And the tomato falls down the hill, and Kirby goes tumbling after. <laughs> Poor Kirby. We don't see the results of what happens in this moment, but now Kirby's in the yogurt yard. And Kirby's climbing down from the clouds, and he's going through these mountains, and there's a lot of enemies to deal with. There's some new ones. Every new area has some new enemies. And it's just more fights and more situations, and the hidden buttons are getting harder to find, but Kirby figures them out. And then Kirby faces two new major foes. The first is Firelion. It's a very mean cat that can grab and scratch Kirby in the face, and it throws itself at him like a fireball as well. Then there is... Heavy Mole. This is the boss of the area. It is a big machine monster that digs her underground away from Kirby and launches missiles at Kirby. Eventually, Kirby is able to dismantle the machine and grabs their star rod piece and does a dance. Quick thing about Heavy Mole. Heavy Mole is only found in this game and the remake of this game and Kirby's Avalanche, so it's only in three games. We don't see Heavy Mole in anything else. That is it. And from the mountains, Kirby finds himself falling into the Orange Ocean. The Orange Ocean is described as, if you didn't get seasick in Ice Cream Island, you had better hold your breath for this level. Set sail for adventure through a world with a nautical theme inhabited by some of the toughest enemies you've met yet. So Kirby makes his way to a dock, and he starts looking around from the dock with a spyglass. Unfortunately, he looks around a little too enthusiastically and slips off the dock. He floats in the water, but then he sees a shark! And he has to swim away from that shark. And then we see Kirby in the distance swimming very fast away from the shark in the distance into the sunset. Kirby does survive this encounter, and it's time for Kirby to do more sea levels, ships, and islands. The place is called the Orange Ocean because it is in perpetual sunset, making the water look orange. Here Kirby island hops and swims underwater and has to face a fleet of battleships and pirate ships. After six stages, Kirby faces Meta Knight. We don't learn much about Meta Knight in this game, He's an enemy that helps and challenges Kirby while working with King Dedede. And throughout the other worlds, Midnight has been on occasion sending his men to attack Kirby and also giving Kirby candy, so Kirby doesn't really know what to think of this guy. But now Midnight waits on, on a high platform with a sword in hand and a sword in the center of the stage, waiting for Kirby to grab the sword. 
The battle will not begin until Kirby grabs that sword. In some games, Kirby can actually fly up and just meet Midnight on the ledge, and you're like, what the heck, and then they'll just fight right there, so you can keep your power. But Midnight definitely prefers a sword fight. Kirby probably takes a nap here and makes Midnight wait a while longer, because it's been a long journey, Kirby does need his naps, and Midnight is pretty patient. Eventually, Kirby takes up the sword and the battle begins. Midnight is an interesting foe for Kirby. He's the same size as Kirby, but he's got armor. And he's got a cape that looks pretty cool. Most of his attacks are the same as Kirby as well. The other things he can do is he can stab into the ground from above, he can block Kirby's sword attacks, and he has a lot more health than Kirby. But like all who stand before Kirby, eventually Meta Knight is defeated, his mask cut in half, revealing him to look very similar to Kirby. Just darker. Could he be another of Kirby's kind? Before Kirby can think about it, he wraps himself up in his cape and disappears. Kirby is very confused for sure, but takes the star out piece, does a dance, and moves on. Time for the final world! The Rainbow Resort. And the description's very short and sweet. Welcome to Rainbow Resort! <laughs> Kirby's journey is nearly over. He's at the Rainbow Resort, where rainbows are always there. Kirby decides to sing, but his singing brings chaos, and things start to fall apart. Kirby whips out a parasol to protect himself from the falling notes. Now, Kirby's in the frozen space. He faces a lot of enemies just out in space, and it's a very interesting world. And he faces nearly every enemy in the game at this point. And in the second area, the second stage, Kirby faces a gauntlet of all the major enemies as he climbs a large tower. In this order, he faces Poppy Bros Jr., Mr. TikTok, Mr. Frosty, Bonkers, Rolling Turtle, Bugsy, and Fire Lion. And there's also a hidden door you can find, which gives you harder versions of some of these guys as well. It is a long struggle, but Kirby makes his way through them all. And just before Kirby faces off against King Dedede to take the Star Rod piece, Kirby finds himself entering a realm of the past. Kirby's in dreamland again. Everything is familiar as he journeys forward through the realm. And eventually Kirby comes out the other side and makes his way to King Dedede. So here's what's going on. The final platforming stage of the game is a homage to Kirby's dreamland. It's black and white. It's basically an abridged version of the first game stages. So you like there were five stages in the original Kirby's dreamland. So you have a little bit of stage one, a little bit of stage two, a little bit of stage three, four, and then five. That's what happens here. And you know what the final battle of that was? King Dedede. So it makes sense to get the King Dedede at the end of this too. So now Kirby faces King Dedede in front of the Fountain of Dreams, also known as the Dream Spring in the English version. And they fight. And it's a very similar fight to last time. But now King Dedede fights with more ferocity than their last battle. Because now he moves a little bit more quickly and a little bit more horizontally as well. He used to just jump straight up and down. He used to just stay put more. But now he's got a little bit more pep to his step, which makes him a little more difficult for Kirby to face. So he's not as one-dimensional. But eventually, it's not enough. And Kirby defeats King Dedede and takes the final Star Rod piece. So after defeating King Dedede, Kirby comes to the final stage. There's actually the final world. And that is level 8, but it's its own thing. It's the final boss fight, so it really, doesn't really get counted. But here's the funny thing. It's called the Fountain of Dreams. They don't call it the Dream Spring in the game itself. It's funny how they just do that. Really odd. So having defeated King Dedede, Kirby gets the final Star Rod piece and forms the Star Rod. It's complete, and he does a dance. He's really happy, and he makes his way to the Fountain of Dreams. King Dedede tries to plead with Kirby, but Kirby won't have it. He's gonna give everyone back their dreams. King Dedede grabs Kirby, and Kirby just drags him along as he goes towards the fountain. Kirby doesn't understand why King Dedede is being such a jerk, and gets mad at him. Kirby actually hits King Dedede away, and plants the star rod in its rightful place. Kirby is triumphant, or so he thought. Because then a ball of evil appears from the fountain, and Kirby realizes 
then maybe he made a mistake. King Dedede sucks up Kirby and the Starrod and launches them both into space. Kirby is now Starrod Kirby, and he faces the evil ball. Back and forth, the two are throwing stars at each other. Kirby throwing light stars, they're throwing dark stars. And here's the thing, if Kirby takes too long in this fight, which, oh my god, it is not an easy fight to do, if you time out, the ball goes away and Kirby dies, you have to start over. It sucks. So they're throwing stars at each other, and Kirby's able to keep up with the ball. And they continue the face-off until they get to the moon. They're on the moon! <laughs> the ball finally opens and reveals itself to be Nightmare. He teleports around and fires more stars at Kirby, and Kirby dodges around and fires stars right back. He slashes at Kirby, he twists his body around and attacks at Kirby. But Kirby just keeps fighting back, slapping him with a star rod, and throwing stars into his body. And then finally, it's enough. Kirby's done enough to Nightmare, and Nightmare starts breaking apart. He's defeated, and then he explodes! Turning the moon from a regular moon into a permanent crescent moon. That's how big the explosion is. Kirby then rides the Warp Star home. Apparently Warp Star came over to help him out. And we learn the truth of the matter. Nightmare had infected the Fountain of Dreams with itself. It was going to come out and conquer Popstar. But King Dedede figured it out and hid the Star Rod so Nightmare couldn't emerge. In the end, King Dedede was actually being a good guy. And without his help for Kirby, he wouldn't have been able to face and defeat Nightmare in the end. With the battle over, Kirby returns the Star Rod to the Fountain of Dreams so the citizens of Dreamland can enjoy dreams again. Kirby then flies off into the sky and waves by at the player. The end. So Nightmare is the main antagonist of the Kirby Right Back At You anime. He summons Monster Challenge Kirby in the anime, and ultimately Kirby defeats him in the 100th episode. So, if you haven't been listening to the anime episodes, uh, the anime is based on Kirby's Dreamland, Kirby's Adventure, and Kirby's Dreamland 2. A little bit of Kirby's Dreamland 3 and 6, and not 64, but a little bit of Dreamland 3 and Air Ride. But most heavily, it, it pulls from Adventure and, and Dreamland 2 than anything else. And so Kirby's done. He's won. He's going to go take a nap. After beating the game, you get a pretty cool credits showing Kirby battling all the bosses again and whipping their butts pretty well. It's pretty great. And then with the credits done, the game shows the, the end on a sign and the power screen where they show Kirby. It has Master Hand waving bye-bye. So for beating the game, you unlock minigames and extra mode. Extra mode is just the game with half HP. The enemies aren't harder like they were in Dreamland, unfortunately. Beating it again on extra mode gives you sound test mode. And if you do it with a 100%, you get the final title, which is Superstar. And oh yeah, uh, the minigames are just harder in extra mode. Holy crap, are they harder? And you can choose their difficulties at this point. And beating extra mode also unlocks versus boss mode. So you can fight all the bosses again. And winning that gives you the end credits again and gives you progress towards perfect percentage. The thing to keep in mind is... In this mode, you don't have any powers, you just have regular Kirby, and that's a pretty fun challenge right there. Random fact about the sound test, also, uh, when you go into sound test, it's Kirby on the main screen, but he's got headphones on, so that's pretty cute. But here, you can get the theme from Kirby's Dreamland in the sound test. It's not played in the game itself, only in the sound test. Interesting they did that. So, the first letter of every stage spells Vibjigoyoror. Vibjigoyoror. Backwards, that spells Royji Bib. Roji Bib is a shortcut for knowing the seven colors of the rainbow. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's a pretty cool thing they did there. And I didn't mention what the percentages mean earlier. Okay, so as you beat the levels, you get percentage towards completion of the game. And finding the secret buttons will give you more percentage as well. The only way to get 100% is to get all the buttons. But then you get even more titles as you beat other things. So 
if you are, as you start the game, from 1 to 9%, you're called a water drop. 10 to 19%, you're called the Son of Wind. 20 to 29%, Lil Traveler. 30 to 39%, Swift Hunter. 40 to 49%, Star Herald. 50 59%, Dream Hunter. 60 69%, Dream Warrior. 70 79%, Star General. 88 9%, Great Ace. 90 to 99% Final Star. To beat the game, you get called Hero of Lore. Beat the game on Extra as well, you get Superstar. And if you beat the game in Extra, all sub games and the boss mode, you get the title of Perfect. So you gotta do a lot for that. Something I forgot to mention is the game over screen. So once again, Master Hand is here, but this time, when you lose, Kirby just goes to sleep. And if you pick continue, Master Hand pinches Kirby's cheek to wake him up, and he waves him goodbye as he goes back on his adventure. If you pick game over, though, Master Hand prepares to hit Kirby really hard. But then Kirby wakes up and grabs Master Hand and eats Master Hand and goes back to sleep. And that's it. One real quick thing I want to mention is just the U.S. nicknames for Kirby, and you heard some of them throughout. And there's the U.S. nicknames for him are the Roly Poly Hero, Pink Pudge, and bon- Bombastic Blimp. I think they're just fun names. And the last thing I want to mention is words from Masahiro Sakurai himself from an interview. And this is a quote from him. These are his exact words, at least translated. At this juncture, I'm not thinking about the next Kirby game. I can't say that Kirby's going to go gold like Mario, but I do want him to be a character that is always loved by everyone. And we do. How many games does Kirby have? How much do people love Kirby? Everyone loves Kirby. New plushes are coming out every couple months, and so many people are buying them. New mangas coming out. I really hope for a new anime of Kirby. I think it'd be pretty cool to see another anime. Kirby is just more loved than ever. And Kirby is, of course, the hero of not only Kirby's uh, Superstar Ultimate, but he's also the hero of a subspace emissary as well, wasn't he? He really was. Even though Masahiro Sakura has moved on to do Smash, Kirby is still his first creation and his first son, so we see love for him here and there. So that is everything about Kirby's adventure. As far as I know, I have left nothing out. I'm unsure how we'll cover Nightmare in Dreamland since it's a remake, but it's an enhanced one, so there's more extras there. There's more minigames and some more enemies there, like Fan Fan the Elephant. So there's more to it. But there was a lot to this game. Like I said before, it was the biggest game in the NES history. Masahiro Sakurai and, La- and HAL Labs from the beginning just packed so much in their games, and it shows even to now as our allies. And with S- Sakurai himself, with Smash Brothers. How much is in, Ma- in Smash Brothers Ultimate? There is so much in there. Wow. And the next game we're going to cover will be Kirby's Pinball Land, which also came out in 1993. I have no idea how that's going to go. I I own the game on Game Boy. Like, I can still play it on that, but we'll probably emulate so we can get gameplay footage, uh, of course, for it. It's a very fun game. I enjoy it a lot. It's going to probably be shorter than this episode, that's for sure. But the next episode is going to be anime episode again. It'll be episode 17, which is an episode about love, so that'll be fun. So this has been the podcast. You can find us again on YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play Music. Recommend a YouTube version here because there's going to be a lot of visuals on this one. But I did put a lot of effort to just describe the game so you can listen along instead as well. And if you enjoyed the episode and got all the way to the end, please share us with other Kirby enthusiasts. I, I hope people enjoy the podcast. I want more people to enjoy it because that would be awesome. Just more people to talk about Kirby with is awesome. Just that's, that's how fandom works. Just enjoying something with other people is great. And so I just want more people to hear this and just learn so much about these games and the anime and just everything. There's so much interesting stuff in this universe. And it's all about, you know, the Pink Puffball himself, Kirby. I love it. I love Kirby so much. So ends this episode of the Kirby's Dreamcast. I had fun talking and hope you had fun listening 
and watching this episode if you watch on YouTube. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. <laughs>